And we're back. Welcome to Stationary Jason, the podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. My name is Justin Twyford. I'm joined by my friend, my co-host, and a guy I haven't spoken to in a few weeks, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Justin. How is life in Mozambique? <laughs> it felt like I was driving out there. I drove through <laughs> snow the other day. <gasps> snow. Oh, I remember snow. White, isn't it? It's white, it's cold, and apparently it likes mountain passes in September. So I was completely surprised by that. One week it was warm, and then the next day I'm having snow. So anyway, uh, luckily it is not where I am. But the new house that I just moved into apparently has seasons. This one is called Fall, ah. and it was decidedly brisk this morning when I was taking out the garbage. Look. Well, I'm assuming that it's fall. Uh, you're in Canada. In fact, you're Canadian. Uh, are we going to see some sort of plaid shirt? I mean, is, is that the rigueur now in, in the season and in Canada? Hey, yeah. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> And I, I presumably you carry an axe with you wherever you go. Well, I'll tell you one thing. When I got here, both of my neighbors that I have met so far have talked about this thing that I have no concept of, and it's called a snowblower. Oh. Have you ever heard mm. of one of these things? Um, well, it's funny, actually. I, I, have, I have a man, obviously, because I'm British, and one has a man uh, who comes in and helps me with the garden. And it's not entirely because I'm useless and lazy, but he he was looking after the place when we were living uh, in the UK. And so he just kept everything ticking over. And he uses a blower all the time. Everybody in Cyprus uses a blower. Um, for some reason, you're not allowed to pick up a leaf here unless you've blown it somewhere first. Mm. So I'm assuming that a snow blower is a sort of souped-up version of that and just blows the snow to a big pile somewhere. Is that, is that how it works? Uh, well, from what I've seen of these, these are... I'm trying to think. Uh, do you remember the show from the 90s, Lawnmower Man, with the lawnmower chasing the guy with the blades on the front? Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, snowblowers look like a big lawnmower with blades on the front, and they chew up the snow and spit it out of the top. Oh. So they're big, heavy things on wheels. Oh, wow. Whole new concept for me. Oh, right. And, and you've got to go out and buy one, have you? Is, is that the... Uh, apparently, apparently I have been told, well, actually the guy next door recommended a quad with a plow on the front, which uh, did nothing to impress Mrs. T. <laughs> I was going to say, can you get a ride on one with, you know, turbo button, yeah. coffee machine, that type of thing, big twin cab. Uh, park it. I I'll do a Jeremy Clarkson, you know, and get the Lamborghini version that won't fit anywhere. <laughs> There we go. Well, I tell you what, that's going to be podcast gold. We can talk about that for hours. Yes, this is productivity because is it more productive to go out there with a shovel and try to do this by hand? Or is it more productive ah. to buy a snowblower? See, I, I'm bringing it back in. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I could write it off as a business expense. There you go. I mean, I think you're halfway there. If, if only you could speak to an accountant. Oh, hang on. <laughs> I can't see where you're going here. All right, um, I will give a quick audio disclaimer. My new room is apparently an echo chamber, and it sounds terrible to me. Hopefully it doesn't sound too bad by the time I get everything done. Uh, one of the problems, and you have this, Stu, I have a tile floor. Uh-huh. It echoes. Yeah. I mean, you would know a lot more about this than I do, but when I started 
um, podcasting and sort of started investigating all of these things, I very quickly came to the conclusion that I didn't care enough because you I essentially, I, you correct me if I'm wrong, but the best way to podcast is to sort of enclose yourself in, in some sort of duvet with a hole in it. That's, that's ideally what you want. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Mike Hurley does. He, he has a, he has a sort of podcasting wigwam set up inside of his studio. Mega studio. Yes, indeed. So that he can sort of control the, the audio and not get that echo. And, and I, yeah, no, <laughs> no. Um, I, I'm prepared to sit at my desk. I'm prepared to have a microphone uncomfortably close to my face and I'm prepared to wear silly hot headphones, but that is the extent of discomfort that I'm prepared to put up with. Mm. Mine will be better. I may put down a rug to absorb some of the sound. Uh, the biggest problem is that I have bookshelves that are empty staring at me because unpacking. Ah. Um, yes. Uh, my movers absolutely hated the number of boxes labeled Justin's books. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I remember when I moved, there, there was quite a lot of beer involved in the, in the tip section of the conversation. Um, after, after the, the books were moved, I very judiciously said, would anybody like a cold beer? Um, and never have you seen six men move so fast towards me. Yeah. They go like, thank you very much. Sorry about the books. Yeah. That's about it. That was the scene. Uh, and they had to take them, uh, down to the back, uh, which is down a flight of, well, it's a, it's a big ramp that we have from the front to the back. And anyway, made a lot of people happy. Also, um, I found out this neighborhood is a lot louder than I expected. You, you figure if you move to the country, it's going to be pretty quiet. Mm -hmm. uh, I lied. I have tractors. I have a working orchard. And so all day long, I have tractors going. I have horses clip-clopping up the street, including horse poop in front of my house that I can't find a shovel to go and clean up yet. Mm -hmm. uh, my neighbors, apparently, because these are bigger than average lots, like lawn mowing. And a couple of times a day, which is just the oddest thing, I get the sound of a steam train coming through my house. A steam train coming through your house. A steam train. Yep. There is a, uh, they call it the Kettle Valley Railway, and it's kind of a touristy thing that uh, a couple of times a day it goes out from a little station behind the house and goes along the the hills uh, in the side of the valley that i live in and all i can hear is so if if there are any weird sounds i'm really sorry no i i have to say i'm, I'm gonna let you off for an episode or two but i think we have to have that sound in in one of the the episode that's <laughs> it's gorgeous yes does Let, it have a little steam whistle can we get it sort of woo -woo? Oh. i haven't heard i haven't heard it yet but uh the it's just one of those weird sounds what the heck is that and yes it's a steam train going past i'll have to get a picture of it uh the time i went to get a picture of it it was raining and it's like i'm not taking my phone out in the rain because i'm a wimp <laughs> well it sounds idyllic it sounds absolutely lovely it's a big change, big change. So I, I'm sure. enjoying it so far, but uh, my life is boxes, boxes and boxes. <laughs> yeah. You're still in the moving phase rather than the moved phase. Mm -hmm. I will give you some good news though, Stu. Tell me. I got my Pluro Display XDR. Oh, did you now? 
And you expect me to be pleased by that, do you? Ah, yes, it is fantastic. But oh, what a mess, a nightmare trying to get that. So Apple, you know, the guy that runs Apple, he's a logistics guy, isn't he? Ah, yes, he is indeed. One would think Apple would be good at logistics, wouldn't one? I, I would say it's a core competence for a company that, well, moves stuff around the world and charges you the earth for it. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, they, as we talked about before, we they make one of these. They yell down to their little store in China and say, hey, Joe, can you go make another one of these? Um, the one that showed up was a complete disaster. Oh. So I was moving on September 1st. That's when I got the house, and I've been moving back and forth. I came up, got the keys, made sure everything went okay before I had the moving truck, went back, packed up, came up here with the move, unloaded the truck, then went back and did all the cleaning. So for the last two weeks, I've been living out of basically a backpack with a few chains of underwear in it. Apple had promised me this monitor and the stand by August 31st, which was the day before we drove up here. Because this is the kind of thing you don't really want lying on your porch. For sure. It's okay. Just leave it there. We'll, we'll come and get them. They'll be good for it. They can come out and get it. Uh, so I uh, had arranged this. Well, all of a sudden, then Apple sends me this thing saying, it's been delayed to September 2nd, which is a day that I'm 400 kilometers away. Trying to reschedule it. What a nightmare. Apple can't. UPS, however, had different ideas. They decided they were going to deliver it on August. I say they were going to deliver it September 1st. And I could pay some money to have them deliver it at a different time when I was back in town. So I went onto their website, paid the money. And sure enough, I then got a notification the same day that everything's on a truck. They brought the stand, which is a wonderful, wonderful piece of engineering and the most amazing doorstop you've ever seen without a monitor. (laughs) For sure. They then took the monitor, instead of delivering it back to their warehouse, to deliver it on the day when they said it was. Somewhere, something happened and they lost it. Well, I was on the phone to Apple for several hours trying to figure out where this was, what my options were. Because UPS losing things, you call UPS. We'll get back to you in anywhere between one and nine days. <laughs> and of course, I'm I'm completely gone by that point. And you know, I, again, six thousand dollar monitor. I don't really want it floating around. Well, UPS found it and showed up at my house. Have you ever seen what a box looks like when it's soaking wet, Stu? <laughs> I run a company that sells stationery. Oh, yes, sir. I've seen wet boxes. <laughs> this was a wet, crushed box that had been judiciously taped by UPS. Ah, uh, the old packing tape trick, eh? Fixes yep. everything. Yep. Uh, so they were kind enough to actually, because I explained that this was a $6,000 monitor, they were kind of le- kind enough to let me pop the end of the box The box inside was wet. The Apple box, basically, you touched it and it fell open and you could see all the moisture in it. And I said, you know, I'm I'm not going to deal with Apple Care on this. I've had enough problems, so I just rejected it. Mm -hmm. And then went through another long, long process of getting a replacement. But 
they don't just send a replacement. They have to make a replacement stew. <laughs> but of course they do. <laughs> but I was going on the expedite list. So I only, I wonder how many of these Apple can actually make. I, I mean, Apple puts out billions of iPhones and it seems like they make these one at a time. It's just the weirdest <laughs> logistical thing that I've ever seen. But uh, anyway, uh, they put this on the expedite list. It was supposed to be here yesterday and we moved in last Friday and all of a sudden the UPS guy came in with this big Apple box shaped monitor box shaped uh, box. And I had the hardest time. My stuff was about two thirds unloaded and I was looking at the rest of it and saying, you know what? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just take it. Go. I, I just want to sit and play on my, on my new monitor. I did really well. I waited until everything was unloaded and then came down to the first thing I did was set it up. And after all that faffing about, after probably six hours of going back and forth on Apple's technical support, uh, by the way, they have amazing Apple sounding playlists uh, for the whole music. Just brilliant. Anyway, but I, I do have it. I have it set up and oh, it's gorgeous too. It is absolutely gorgeous that's all i'm saying and why were you talking to apple support was it complicated to set up or oh well ups um losing it and reordering it and all that oh no i mean apart from apart from that once once you finally got all the bits was it just plug and play and there it is i plug and play and thank god it was plug and play and it also charges my laptop okay give me some recommendation to throw money at the move to make it simpler which i did Mm -hmm. and the movers did some wonderful things. They came in and packed and everything. They packed all of my laptop charges. <laughs> ah, they packed them in a place that you don't know where they are. Mm -hmm. So packed them. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. I, I left those, uh, I left a, a go bag for, that had my, my work in there. It had some fountain pens. It had my notebooks in there. It had mm. a spot for my laptop when I was finished with it because I'd do some work while they were moving. It had everything there and that got packed as well. I, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking this may be about a week too late, but if you're going to get professional movers, Justin, then make sure anything you don't want packed is in a different postal code. That's about it. That, that's my piece of advice for you. Um, and I'm terribly sorry it's a week or so late. Very, very good advice. I wish I had known that one ahead of time. <laughs> anyway, so we're, we're here. Um, this charged my laptop. I'm sort of back now. I've, the only problem is, you know, this kind of expensive monitor, it does not come with speakers nope. or a webcam. Oh, yeah. So I have this going through my HomePods at the moment. Okay. But the HomePods, which connect only on the latest version of Catalina, which means one of my laptops, my recording laptop, I'm still a couple of versions behind because, well, new apple updates tend to break things they keep disconnecting so every time your computer powers down goes to sleep i have to manually reconnect my home pods which is not ideal mm. and it's um it's that time of year as well when everything aptly goes just a little bit off kilter as they're changing all the operating systems and yeah, my recording laptop is a version behind just because it's stable and I don't really want anything to break. 
Mm, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's one of those things. I mean, I do find it astonishing that they don't have, you know, to go with this amazing monitor that they don't have, you know, incredible speakers and webcams just to attach to it. I, I would just expect them to be, you know, uh, another opportunity to catch a thousand dollars out of us. It, it just seems odd that they don't do it. Well, you know, you've got to make these things affordable, right? Uh, you know, at the price they are, you've got to cut all the corners you can to make it uh, affordable. Kind of like the, <laughs> yeah. the new iPad. Uh, yeah, I mean, affordability is clearly high on their uh, their list of requirements. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Anyway, it's set up. It is, it is as gorgeous as I had hoped. And I have to tell you, I sometimes walk around to the other side of my desk just to look at the back of it. <laughs> the cheese grater the cheese grater it, no it's it's absolutely wonderful um i'm extremely privileged to be able to throw away this much money on something so crazy but it is as gorgeous as i hoped and it is as apple as a monitor as one could expect so when they do things right they just nail it right uh so i'd, I'd hardly recommend if anybody wants to set money on fire this is a good way to do it. Absolutely. And well, and as we discussed before, you know, it'll probably last you two or three laptops. That could be 10 years. It, it's, it's pennies a week, pennies a week. That's kind of the way I look at it. My other monitor, my Thunderbolt display is still working fine and that's 10 years old. So I, I'm pretty happy with it. Just wow. The faffing about of trying to get it was something else. I had not expected that from a company famed for its logistics. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I, all of these things, all of those systems, they're all amazing when they work, but the minute that, that something comes off a rail, these companies are in my experience, really, really bad at getting it fixed up again. It's the whole thing takes on its own momentum. It's just, you're trying to stop a runaway train sort of with your bare hands. Um, but yeah, it's all worked out in the end. Mm -hmm. It has. So I'm here. Hey, speaking of Apple, a little bit of news from Apple this week. There was an Apple event on Tuesday. Question for you. Mm -hmm. How much is this Apple event costing you? Um, well, the jury remains out on that. Um, I, I, I wrote a blog post. Uh, you can go and read it if you like at stuartlandon.com. And it, it sort of struck me as I was watching the keynote, because you and I, kind of watched it together we, we sort of just chat as as we watch it although you were watching a faster stream than me which it's very disappointing anyway um it, it struck me everything is an iphone that's all that apple sells now this is this is where the whole operations logistic guy has has had his influence is that with the m1s what they've essentially done is taken the chip from the iphone and put it into computers so Laptops now are just really big iPhones. Desktops are just big iPhones with separate screens. Hmm. iPads have always been just big iPhones. And so it's, it's a case of, do I want a new shiny iPhone? Yes or no. And if I do, what shape do I want it? Do I, do I want it to be a folding thing that sits on my lap? Or do I want it to be a box that sits under a monitor? Or do I want it to be a built-in monitor? Or do I want it to be something called a phone or something that looks a lot like a phone, but it's called a pad, but it's just bigger. 
Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm still on the fence. I mean, th- there's part of me that is saying, okay, my, my sort of phone, phone, phone shaped phone is, uh, is the iPhone 10. So we're going into year five now. This is a 2017 phone, but it's fine. You know, it, it does pretty much everything that I want. Well, no, sorry, that's not true. It does everything that I want and a load of stuff that I don't want. Um, <laughs> that's about it, isn't it? The, the quality of, of photographs, I, I don't know because I've not ever used an iPhone 12 or, or an 11 or, or certainly not a 13. Uh, and, you know, I believe all these guys who say, oh, well, you know, the quality is much better. But at the level at which I'm operating, it really doesn't matter. I mean, I, I forget to change lens on the phone. You know, I, I point the phone at something I want to take a photo of, either sort of pinch or reverse pinch to, to zoom and, and press fire. That's it. And that's the extent of my photo use. And then when I'm trying to post it somewhere, I might look at a filter and I might press sort of auto edit or that's it. So all of these incredible enhancements for, you know, people who've A, got interest or B, got talent don't really mean that much to me because I know that I'm just not going to use them. Mm-hmm. And l- like, I think most people, I take photos and I might share it on, on social media. I might send it to a friend. Uh, and then it goes into my iPhone or some way, iPhoto library, uh, which is, it's sort of, it, that's where pixels go to die, isn't it? <laughs> you know, we, we've all got a hundred thousand f- photos that we never, ever look at. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's the sensible side of me. Now, the other side of me was going, oh, yeah, well, I, I quite fancy a smaller phone. So if I get the mini, but I'm getting old and my eyes are getting old. And, <laughs> oh, I know. I can get the iPad mini. So I have the two minis. And if I'm, you know, I, uh, traveling somewhere, I'll have both. So my tired eyes can do all the little things like Twitter or whatever. can do that on the little iPad-y thing. And my phone will look like a phone again instead of, you know, these big sort of glass slabs that we all slap against our ears and wander around and go, don't we look cool? <laughs> oh boy, you just kicked me right in the, you know what's with that one. <laughs> well, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's all about framing. Um, the, the, best, the best example I've ever heard of this, and I don't know if this is going to work across the Atlantic, but there's, <laughs> in, in the UK, there's a sort of a fear of the youth wearing hoodies. You know, so um, sort of disaffected, angry young men in their hoodies hanging out on street corners. And then I heard a comedian once go, well, actually, these are teenagers wearing woolly anoraks. (laughs) That's essentially what they are. I mean, how intimidating is an anorak? It isn't. And, and it's all about framing. I remember, and you will remember, because you too are as old as the gods. Um, we we spent years hungering and chasing after the, the the smallest phone. Oh, they're getting smaller. Nokia's are getting smaller. Look what Motorola have done. The Star Attack. You know, we were it just would get smaller and smaller and smaller because phones had started out as a sort of set of six house bricks, mobile phones. And then they were getting smaller and we were really excited and then we were really excited. And now it's just going the other way. And you have people wandering around now with house bricks, putting them against their ear. Okay, they're glass house bricks and they're very elegant, but I'm going, yeah, hello. What are you 
doing? You look silly. <laughs> or even worse, they're talking into it and it's in front of their face. Oh, oh, that's what, oh, don't get me going on that. It's going to be two old men shouting at the internet again. Um, but yeah, the, um, and I see people as well. Um, I don't know where this one comes from, but they're speaking into the speaker, not the microphone. <laughs> yes, yes. So they, they put the phone in front of them and then speak to the top of it. Like, no, no, that's the microphone. No, that's the speaker, you idiot. Microphone's the other end. It's okay. I just have to talk a little bit louder. <laughs> there we go. In fairness, that is my podcasting technique in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, just editing uh, your other podcast this morning. Uh, yes, it is. You were a little hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was I? Oh, well, I was, I was excited. I was reading, reading my own novel. So, um, yes, it was getting exciting. Well, I thought it was getting exciting. I got to tell you something. I, I've been so busy this week, I didn't actually get to read your, your post. And I, the first time I, li- I, I got to listen to Sean was when you were reading it. And wow, is that a different thing? And the audiobook on this is going to be fantastic. You, you need a good audio editor for that. I know one. <laughs> there we go. You heard it here first. He's, he's running away fast. No, I mean, it's... It's funny, actually, because when I decided I was going to serialize it, um, as which is really a mechanism to, to hold me accountable to editing uh, it scene by scene. Once I decided to do that, I thought, okay, I, I'm, I'm on a route here. I, I know what I'm doing. I, c- I can see how this can work because um, I've, I've demonstrated that, you know, podcasting, I, I do it every week. I show up. Um, and that's what I need to do with my writing. So I'm really pleased. And, and then I thought, oh. Yeah, for members, I can I can do an audio version, and you know I think it's really affected the way that I'm editing. Mm, I'm not surprised. Um, in that I'm sometimes I you know I find myself writing, and I'm sure there's part of me going how how am I going to say that because I know it's going to be me. I'm not going to go and pay someone to do an audio book. I'm going to do it, and it I have to, it it sort of changes it it's. I'm good with words, honestly, but it changes the way that I approach the writing. The medium is important because it becomes almost a play uh, when you think of it as reading it, because you're taking away a lot of the reader's choice about uh, what a character sounds like uh, and supplying them with a model, you know, Mm -hmm. the the voice that I use. And I've been really sort of the last few, um, I'll say episodes, I've been, I've been thinking, well, do I want to do the, the voices? Because I know what they sound like to me and I'm not because obviously my, my female Russian accent is probably not going to be good as my received pronunciation British accent. Cause that's my accent. Oh, come on. I've um, heard you do all kinds of accents. I'm sure you could pull oh, that one off. Talking of accents. I, my, my dogs have just spotted pigeons outside the window. <laughs> They're not <laughs> impressed. There we go. Spicy, relax, stand by your beds. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fun. It's, it's fun, but it, it is fascinating. Anyway, you've got, you've got me off track there. I mean, my, my follow-up from the Apple event is, yeah, maybe it is about time that I upgrade. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a business expense. If I don't sort of spend that money there, then I'm going to think of somewhere else to spend it or, or heaven forbid pay tax. So. I, I think there will be something coming, but I'm kind of hanging on just to see what happens on the, on the bigger stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which I assume is going to be true for you as well. Cause I, I imagine you want something quite snazzy to connect to that huge screen you've got in front of you. What did you think of the Apple event? It cost me a thousand bucks already. 
let's go there. Okay. Uh, the iPad Mini, which I thought was the blow away new product, is perfect for my wife. Uh, she's she's going to be wanting something that she can sit and watch uh, some videos download some stuff. And I thought this is just perfect. It's not like an iPad that is hard to carry around. It's not like a phone. So you're squinting at it. It's the perfect size to watch some videos and her birthday's coming up. So I bought the iPad mini with the second generation Apple pencil mm. plus the fancy snappy case thing. So yeah, that got expensive in a hurry. Yeah. But and, and I'm quite looking forward to seeing what that looks like because that iPad mini, the refresh is something that I can see me doing tablety stuff on that I don't do at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yep. Apple, uh, my iPad at the moment and iPad pro it's only the 11, but really it is a mobile computer that comes with a keyboard and doesn't do half the things my Mac does. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a crap laptop. That's what it is. That's pretty much it. Uh, the one advantage is that it works anywhere because I've got cell on it. Sure. Um, and, but the iPad, I can actually see me sitting, if we ever get a living room back where I can sit on a couch, uh, it'd be the place where I could actually do proper consumption. So I'm very interested in that one for myself. Mm -hmm. The watches, I was extremely disappointed. Maybe I watched Twitter too much, but uh, I was looking for something more stylish than... The same thing I've had for, what's that, seven, eight years now. It's um, the, the watch needs more of a fashion thing. You know, I, I've probably, like you, I've got a nice selection of analog watches. I've been wearing my watch more than ever the last year, mostly when I go out, because uh, I can actually look at my phone and have it unlock with the watch mm -hmm. because we're still in face masks over here. I was disappointed that it wasn't nicer looking. You know, the, the slight bubble on the sides doesn't really do that much for me. I, and I mostly use mine to unlock my, my phone and I use it for sleep tracking. So I don't have a, a great use for it unless it's more fashionable. I'm still actually hoping that Apple at some point just comes out with like a Fitbit band, just a band that I can wear on my other wrist with a nice watch that actually tells me the time. Mm -hmm. that tracks all of the things that I want to track. But uh, at this point, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I have some sympathy for Apple because when they first came into the watch world, they did do, they did take all that sort of fashion on board and, you know, they came out with edition and all of that, those, those brands, which bombed spectacularly because I think a lot of people have adopted a similar approach to their watches as they have the phones, which is, you know, the tech is getting better. And every three years, let's say, I'm going to want that new tech because I'm going to want those sensors that do my, you know, blood oxygen or, you know, whatever they might be. And if you've invested two and a half thousand dollars in, in the watch, you're then going to be reticent to upgrade so that they got stung by the fashion side of things, mm -hmm. um, and, and nobody bought it. And so then they went a little bit more egalitarian and I think they sell, um, you know, aluminium probably as sells everything else 10 to one. Oh, definitely. Uh, so the lower end of the market. So what they've actually done now is they've tried to make the aluminium ones even less attractive. <laughs> they've, um, they've taken away the base colors. 
So you can't just get a silver aluminium uh, Apple Watch. And I'm sure that that's a play. That's that's a, an ops guy going, look, how do we get people to buy the stainless steel or the titanium? Mm-hmm. And and you, the way you do that is you give them a neutral color. So, um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's I'm still very torn. And I, I think ultimately what will happen is that um, if you take the, you know, the, the, the Tag Heuer or the Rolex or, um, you know, whatever, whatever watch you have, somebody is going to work out a way of making that your smartwatch. So, yeah, Tag Heuer actually do make a really nice one. It's round, which is pretty, uh, but it runs Google stuff and mm-hmm, well, that doesn't, sure. that doesn't work. But yeah, I've, I've seen some of those already and have thought, wow, that's a much nicer watch than the Apple watch. But you know, I, I gotta say the aluminum product red, mm-hmm. you know, looks pretty good. I, I, but, uh, yeah, I, I can't see me having a need for it. Maybe if the world opens up, but I'm going to be working from home. So that is certainly something that plays into how much do I need to watch? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm with you on the iPad mini. Um, if I had an Apple store here in Cyprus, I would walk down to it now with my iPad pro and say, okay, you take this and I'll have one of those, please. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would get the, uh, a big memory one. Probably I would get, um, the cell and I would think of it as my Kindle stroke notebook stroke, uh, couch surfing machine. You know, whether that be keeping up with Twitter or Slack or any of those things that I, I do in my downtime, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I've got the big iPad pro and, and you are not sitting with that monster on your lap. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you can't hold that in your hand and just check Twitter. Your hand will fall off. <laughs> and it, you know, it is an incredibly powerful machine. There's no software that knows how to use that power, but it is an incredibly powerful machine. Uh, but as you say, it just doesn't do things that that I want it to do. And that's my fault, not it, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I'm sort of fairly fixed in my ways and, and I, the notebook laptop format, I think is pretty good. It works really well for lots and lots of different reasons. You can actually work on a couch cause you can put it on your knees. Mm-hmm. You can work on an airplane cause it fits very comfortably on one of those, um, yeah. little tray tables. So, um, yeah, I would do that in a minute. I really like the look of that iPad mini. I think that that iPad may well be the iPad that sort of re-kickstarts that whole business because, you know, despite all of the people laughing, um, a little notebook with a, with a pencil, they've been in, in vogue for, I don't know, five, 600 years. <laughs> so I, I've got a feeling that that might do really well. Yeah, I think so. And that probably is why they ordered so many of the A15s, because they expect that to do well. Uh, iPhones, of course, we have to talk about those. So I'm on a different schedule than you. My eyes are probably a little bit older and a little bit uh, tireder than yours. So a couple of years ago, I went up to the 11 Pro Max, the big boy. Mm, uh, mostly because if I hold my arm straight out, I can actually read it more or less without my reading glasses. <laughs> and I have a teenager in the house who, as teenagers are want to do, lives on hand-me-downs. So she has my 10, which was two years old at the time. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of my time to normally buy an upgrade. 
and passed down to her after two years. I'm not that excited about this 13. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, well, 12S really, because that's what it looks like to me. Even the spec bump on the A15, the A14, great chip. A15, kind of the same thing with a slight number. Same chip. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing, nothing has jumped out and said, this is something I want to drop a couple of thousand dollars for. The Pro Max, which is the size, again, because of my eyesight, I want to have that large thing that I can read without necessarily fumbling around putting reading glasses on because there's nothing like looking uncool as sitting in a restaurant. Where's, where's my reading glasses? Oh, but, but remind, put a pin in that. Remind me to circle back to that one for you. Okay, carry on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, um, this is where, this is where this has come in. I've got to talk to my daughter and see if she's still comfortable with a 10. Again, she's working from home. So she's got her iPad pro. She's got her, iMac. I'm not sure even she's ready for an upgrade at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got to admit that iPhone X was perhaps the best phone that I've ever had. I find they've taken things away. Uh, the screen in my iPhone 11 and newer tends to scratch like crazy. They've also taken the force press, you know, how you could yeah. pop and peek and all that. And I just find the glass a little bit less responsive than it used to be. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm not terribly excited about upgrading it at the moment, but uh, you never know. Uh, we'll see what that comes. And none of the exciting colors jump out at me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I would agree with you. I mean, I think the, 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 the reason that they've, they've ordered so many A A15s is that they're essentially A14s. Um, they're, they're, you know, a large part of their engineering team has walked off to a startup somewhere. Um, and you know, there are huge chip shortages around the industry. So, um, again, the sort of, you know, supply chain guy said, okay, look, let's look at what we can do. Let's look at what is possible here because you know, Apple can't turn up and say, we've got 2 million of these things. They, they need a lot. And so that's got to be the primary concern is. You know, our, our shareholders are looking for, you know, I have no idea what the numbers are, but X billion dollars of, of sales uh, of this whole new generation. We can't just turn up and say, well, there's a bit of a sh chip shortage. So, you know, everything's down by 80%. It's mm -hmm. just not, not doable. So these are, you know, souped up A14s. Um, they've tweaked this and tweaked that. And it's, you know, I, I think the ATB guys are saying this could well be the sort of peak of this, this wave, this generation of phones. And the next one will be, you know, the next 10, um, it'll be a different, a different form factor. It'll be a start of a new design language, all of that type of stuff. I, I could believe that. And, you know, for me sort of personally, when I look at these, these, uh, the machines, they're, they're lovely and all that. The problem I would have with the pro max is that it would be very close to the iPad mini, mm -hmm. you know, certainly having both would be difficult for me. I think I don't know how I would justify that to myself. And the problem I have with the Pro Max generally is, I mean, it's fine for sitting on the couch. It would do those things that I'm thinking I would do with the iPad mini. You know, it would be great for Twitter and it would be great for Instagram and just checking in with what's going on Slack and all those things. It would be perfect. But then when I put it in my pocket and go out for dinner with my wife, where I live, I'm going to be wearing either shorts or linen pants and, and a shirt. That's it. <laughs> and, uh, is that and, you know, an iPhone uh, in your pocket, Stu? 
<laughs> exactly. One of those, one of those huge ones. It's like, oh wow. It, it, you know, it, it sends you down the track of, you know, perhaps I should have a purse. I think, oh no, no, let's not go there. Okay. No man purse. Not sure that I'm ready for that. Um, <laughs> uh, you can put it with your, uh, reading glasses for the menu. <laughs> uh, what, this is the one that I had to circle back to you. I've got, uh, I've used a couple of different strategies for this. Okay. So one is you can get those micro thin, um, glasses that, um, they're, they're uh, I think they used to be called a pince-nez, uh, in French. So mm-hmm. they, they just pinch onto your nose and mm-hmm. you have them in a little, little case attached to the back of your phone and you just flick it out, mm-hmm. put it onto your nose and you do look a bit cool. You look a bit affected, I'll be honest, <laughs> but you do look pretty cool. So I enjoyed those. Um, but obviously now, um, and anybody who's, who's been to Nero's nose.co.uk will, will know where this comes from. Now I have a monocle. Oh, now it is pretty difficult to be. I mean, they are cool. You have to practice. Let me get that out of the way straight away. You do need to stand in front of a mirror, work out how to put the bloody thing on. Um, because otherwise it's sort of in front of your eye for about half a second and then it falls down. But you just have it, it's on a little string around your neck. And then you just put in, put in your monocle, check your, your timeline, look at, the, look at the menu, order your cocktail. And, and everybody looks at you as if you're some sort of Bond villain. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how that's going to work with, with sort of my look. You know, in the summer, I'm shaved head, tattoos, big beard. Yeah, yeah it's going to be perfect. Uh, generally a Harley t-shirt or a leather jacket. And yeah, pull out a yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be proper sort of steampunk hipster look. Uh, yeah, I can see it working. Absolutely <laughs> All right. Well, I might have to give that a shot, actually. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of specialist websites you can get them. And I have to say, I just pulled mine out of the cupboard the other day because I, I wore one for a while and then stopped. Uh, and I, um, I got mine out specifically because when I go to the golf club, I mean, here we go, you know, white middle-aged man privilege again. When I go to the golf club, I'm wearing my sunglasses to drive. And then I often have to, I have to sign in to all the COVID stuff and all, all of that. And I can't, I can't see anything anymore. So that means I have like one pair of glasses on my head and another one sort of tucked into my t-shirt and I hate it. So I'm, I now wear the monocle <laughs> and the look on the faces of the girls and in the pro shop, um, who are a sort of variety of nationalities from, I don't know, Russian to Bulgarian to, to British to Cypriot. They all just stopped what they were doing and looked at me <laughs> like, hello. Um, obviously you have to, to imagine that at this point I'm wearing very bright sort of knickerbockers, <laughs> bright colored shirt that doesn't match and a monocle. <laughs> I suspect what they're thinking is, who is this lunatic? But anyway, I, I like lunatics. Uh, when, once you get to our age, you don't care, do you? You just don't care. Pretty much it. All right. I think we've covered, uh, our follow-up. What's your tool of the week? <laughs> My tool of the week. Uh, oh yeah. Well, uh, that's. This is going to be a great relief to everybody. This is quite short. Um, my tool of the week is uh, the shortest sentence. No. There you go. That is my tool of the week. Um, I actually managed this week to say no to a couple of things. This obviously was not to your wife. Certainly not. Don't be ridiculous, man. Um, <laughs> but but uh, what I have read in a couple of places, I've heard this quote attributed to a few people. Um, no is a complete sentence. It does not require an explanation to follow. Ooh. And that's an important lesson to know. 
that if somebody turns around and asks you something, you can just say no. Don't have to give a 25 minute justification as to why you're saying no. Because if you're anything like me, you'll talk yourself round and go, well, well, actually, when I say no, I mean yes. Mm. But um, just say no. You know, are you able to do that? Are you free next week? No. Mm-hmm. That's it. So there you go. There's a tool. What about you? Well, mine is a credit card. And as stupid as that sounds, if you have the ability to have a high unused limit, don't, don't rack up a credit card, bad, bad, bad. But uh, you know, I'm lucky and privileged. I've got a credit card that has a high limit and that thing has been thrown around like crazy. Stu, I wanted to thank you. You gave me some valuable advice of the challenge of moving throw money at it. Mm. And I was able to throw money at almost everything from moving to cleaning. I had cleaners come in. I had carpet cleaners come in. I had window cleaners come in. I had some junk removal for stuff that I didn't want to pay to move. And all of that, I just threw into my credit card. And I realized that I didn't have to worry. You know, this is generally more money than I would ever spend. Well, outside of when you buy a silly Apple monitor uh, that I would spend in any sort of, you know, several months, but it was nice not to have to worry about that. So if you can uh, have the discipline and the credit available to get yourself a quality card that you can use when you need it in case of emergencies, that is such a nice thing to do. And it just completely reduced stress for me. I could just, whatever I needed, I just threw money at the problem and it went away. And, you know, luckily I, I budgeted for the move. So it's not like this is putting on, on something that I'm going to be paying interest on, but certainly it was nice to have that flexibility. And I think credit cards are a little different depending where you are in the world, but mm-hmm. boy, was it nice to have. Yeah. I mean, I think when, I think your point is when you're taking on a, you know, huge stressful thing and, you know, what do they say? Moving house is second only to divorce in terms of the stress that it puts you under, um, you know, the idea of accumulating money of working and, and saving is is for these things this is to make those problems go away and as you say budget correctly make sure you don't run up debt um but use the money judiciously to uh take some of that stress away mm-hmm. yes no stress is good yeah so what are you writing with this week's do oh well my pen and ink of the week um I'm, I'm kind of a changeover i've still i was i was a little bit worried so uh I've got a Lamy 2000, uh, which I think for many, many people, this is a love-hate pen. Mm -hmm. So um, you hate it for a while, and then you love it for a while, or vice versa. Uh, I hated my Lamy 2000 when I got it, purely and simply because I had the wrong ink. Oh, that'll do it. And uh, the ink flowed too fast, and it sort of splodged everywhere. I just got back into fountain pens, and I was like, this is awful. I mean, it's a very sleek, modern-looking pen. And, and, you know, I was I, I literally coming away with green hands, just covered in ink. Oh, no, this is horrible. I hate this. Um, and so I put it on the naughty step for probably a year and a half, I'd say. And then I tried it with another ink. I went, oh, oh, I quite like this um, because it is a very well-built pen. And I was using it, I think, with one of the Hiroshi Zukus. Mm. And just, just this week, um, I had, well, no, the week before, I think I had my, my Claire package arrived from Nero's notes. And we have recently taken stock of some, some Lamy 
not 2000s. We've, we've got some safaris and we've got some, uh, some ink. And one of the inks, we're going to love the name of the ink, mm-hmm. Obsidian. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, I've got to have you, that. You had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. So I thought, okay, well, this is going to be a beautiful, rich purple. It's not. It's black. <laughs> and when I say black, I mean, it's black, black. Mm. It's, it, it's one of those blacks that requires a qualifier. Apple would probably call it, I don't know, black hole black or something. Um, <laughs> Space black. Oh, they don't do that. That's such a gray. Never mind. <laughs> hey, I'm sure it'll come. It'll come. Um, but it's just a lovely combo. It writes really well. And I was really, it, it was my last week's pen. And I thought, oh, well, I've got to change it this week. Kind of, you know, the unofficial rules that I've adopted is I have to change every week now. <laughs> um, so I've filled my next pen. <laughs> but I've not started using it. Uh, so next week, um, I'll give you a sneak preview. It's going to be a Pelican. But um, yeah, this week, the Lamy 2000. What about you? I mean, presumably yours are all <laughs> still in boxes somewhere. Yeah, I, yes. <laughs> Which box is everything in is the question. I know that I have my more expensive fountain pens in one box. I know where that is. I think I know where my other fountain pens are, but I had no ink. Uh, Part of the problem is that movers don't like to move things like ink, chemicals, paints, all of that stuff. So the ink was in one house, the pens were in a different house. Uh, They came up with my wife in the back of her car, and I just found them late last night where she'd put them. So I have two boxes of ink. I have not yet opened them because, well, you know, there's so many more things that are a little bit more important. What I did find early in the packing, though, which is a little bit more for your other podcast, is a USA-made Dixon Ticonderoga pencil. Oh, wow. Uh, so that is probably, I'm guessing that was from sort of my f- first go-round of university in the early 90s Mm. and i probably bought a pack of these and had tucked away the ones that i hadn't used they are pristine i've got a few of these sitting around and they're absolutely gorgeous so much nicer than the uh, what do we call more modern stuff um so i i'm i'm actually in love with this haven't been writing a lot because guess what else is packed all of my notebooks Uh, (laughs) and uh, yeah I'm, i'm i'm enjoying just a little simple vintage pencil. Crazy. Perfect. I'm hoping next week I'll have some pens back. I finally found my backpack uh, late last night too, as I was unpacking. So I have the, the pens that I was going to use for the last few weeks. I finally found them. So a little bit too late, but anyway, it'll be good yeah, for next it'll week. It'll all get rolling. It will all get rolling. Things will start feeling more comfortable. It's great. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I'm, I'm just glad to be here. I can see... Well, if I stretch because big monitor, I can see the mountain. I can see the sun just starting to come up now. It's beautiful. Anyway, uh, let's talk about our our topic. We'll try to hit this pretty quick because we've been talking for a little bit already. Uh, Apple week. Apple week. You're not going to believe it. My co-host moved. Can you believe it? Yeah. We haven't talked for a few weeks, so I guess everybody can. (laughs) Uh, You okay for time for a little bit longer recording? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm all good. All right, uh, Friday night, I didn't want to upset the Mrs. L. No, no, she's in fine form. She's a, she's a working girl now. Uh-huh. So uh, she's she spent the day wrestling with uh, with nine-year-olds. 
uh, trying trying to get them educated. Ah, a brave a brave woman she is. I'll tell you. I, th- I thought you would have trained her up pretty well for that experience. Oh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, th- I think I would tremble in front of 20, 29 year olds. Oh, boy, boy, scary stuff. Oh, I, I had one. That's enough for me. Ever. <laughs> All right. Um, our topic for the day is I call it checklist manifesto based on a book. The reason I thought about checklists particularly is because I ran into a problem during the move. I came up with, well, I, one of the things you have to do when you move is you have to get house insurance, which is a fun thing to do anyway. The broker I use, which is an insurance company that I use for some other stuff, they're call center based. And I don't know about you, but call center based is hard to see. Whatever they're putting down, you don't see the other side of it. Yep. You're just assuming that things are going well. And one of the problems that I ran into on this, and it was, it was an error on my part, and I'll completely admit to this, but the broker and I were not using the same language, and there was not any checklist on their part that created a problem. So in North America and Canada particularly, you close the house on a certain day, and then you get possession a few days later. Is that the same in England, Stu? Um, yeah, I mean, it can be. When you, when you close, it's usually the same day that you will get the keys. But, um, you know, the provisions are made, so mm. you, the, the money is handed over and you get the keys on the 25th, but you're going to move on the 27th or whatever. Yeah, you can have all that stuff. Yeah, so we, we finished on, I think it was August the 30th. Uh, we were moving in. We took possession on September 1st. And I had explained to the person, yes, this is the day that I take possession. I'm getting there. And I had set up all the insurance for September 1st and then realized that I was doing some research for something else that I needed to do mortgage related. And I realized that I actually needed to go back and get it because I owned the house, even though somebody Mm -hmm. else was living in it from the 30th and I needed to get my insurance from there. But looking at that and realizing that this is an insurance broker who did not ask the question, when do you take, you know, when do you take possession, which is a terminology I was using, they did not have a checklist to make sure that I understood, no, that when the day that you uh, sign the papers is actually the day that you have to get insurance from. And so I, I was discussing this with their manager trying to, because I had to get everything changed. And that was a, a lot of a kerfuffle. I, and I said, well, do you guys have a checklist for this? And they said, no, uh, we have experienced brokers and uh, they, they know what to do. And I was just flabbergasted because a time-consuming fix and potentially you know, a large liability of if my house had burned down during that time, especially when somebody else was inhabiting it and, you know, cooking, who knows what it was, it was one of those things that I thought, yeah, this is the kind of stuff I like checklists for. And so I wanted to talk to Stu and see, Stu, do you do checklists? Are you a checklist person? Where, where do you fit onto, onto this, uh, for both yourself and the teams that you run? Yeah. I mean, I think this is one of those brilliant classic sort of misalignments where 
uh, okay, I'm, my background is, is operations. Um, okay, there's a bit of sales in there as well, and there's a whole load of compliance. Now, you say the word compliance, and checklists are not far away. And <laughs> in, in a work environment, when I'm, when I'm in that mode, when I'm thinking that way, yes, I have checklists. And yet the minute you sort of wrote down this subject, I went, do you realize how much trouble I could have saved myself over the years if I had these in my personal life? Because, um, you know, the story that, that we started this podcast with way back when, um, <laughs> you know, 25 episodes ago, uh, was, you know, me and my insurance mm -hmm. and just forgetting to get my car insured. If I'd had a checklist, that wouldn't have happened. And I, I literally find myself, uh, I had a call the other day. So it was a group call. Uh, I think it was on zoom with no, with no, um, visuals, only, only audio. And I was berating this client's team guys, you've got to document this stuff. When you do that, you have to print it out. That's why there's a checklist. If you mm -hmm. didn't print it out, if you didn't document it, it didn't happen. Checklist, checklist, checklist. And yet in my own life, I keep bumping into things like, oh, oh, I haven't done that. Oh, oh, have I done that? How have I not done that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it sort of hit me like a, like a tennis racket. I was thinking, I really, really do need to sit down and go, Stuart, you need some checklists in your life. Mm -hmm. Just, just look at your life a little bit more corporately as you would a client. And just get these things sorted. And the, I think the reason they're so important, the reason that they're so good is that they remove so much of the danger and, and the dangers that exist are we're distracted, you know, you and I, oh, somebody said Apple. Okay. Let's talk for an hour. <laughs> um, 78 okay. minutes. I think it was, it was the under over on upgrade. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know, any shining you think, oh, uh, we're both, um, as discussed, multi-potentialites. So. We have a lot of things going on. We have a lot of irons in the fire, projects on the go, plates in the air, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to use. And that means that things get missed, particularly as you and I have discovered, nobody tells you this, uh, boys and girls. So, so pay attention now. When you pass through 50, stuff changes. <laughs> all the things that, well, first of all, hair grows out of places you had no idea you needed hair. And secondly, you start forgetting things. And things that you would never have got wrong in your thirties and forties, you start getting wrong <laughs> and checklists save you because you just look at your checklist and go, right, okay, have I done step one, step two, step three, step four. I'm working on a project at the moment with Nero's notes, uh, the website, we're completely redesigning the website. There's going to be a, a new look and feel to the web shop. And, uh, I'm working with some really, really talented people, uh, to sort of counterbalance the fact that I'm involved and you know, we have, we have checklists. Okay. So this needs to be done. That needs to be done. That needs to be done. And then you get into the really good stuff where dependencies. So, you know, person A has got to do task three, but he can't do task three until person B has completed task two. And so you, on a piece of paper or dare I say it in an app, you can see these dependencies, you can see the pinch points, you can see the critical path or oh, project manager talk. Now you can see all of these things so clearly, and yet it's really easy or certainly has been for me <laughs> to completely eliminate this important tool from my personal life and consequently have loads of, uh, 
well, car crashes is an overstatement, but, but things have gone wrong that really had no business going wrong. All I needed was a simple checklist. So I have to say, Justin, I have downloaded the book that you referenced. <laughs> so the book that Stu's talking about is a book I read a couple of years ago. It's called The Checklist Manifesto, How to Get Things Right. It's a nonfiction book from 2009 by Atul Gawande. And Mr. Gawande, Dr. Gawande, is a medical doctor in the U.S. And he started this concept of building checklists for surgeries. I think he's a surgeon somewhere on the East Coast. It's been a few years since I've read the book. And what he realized is that by using a checklist, even for someone as experienced as a surgeon, now you you assume a surgeon knows exactly what they're doing before they come anywhere near you. And his research by implementing this process of a simple checklist shows how the even getting past people's natural reluctance to it, it reduced errors statistically importantly uh, with a with a huge statistical important value. Uh, the error rate is huge in in terms of what the improvements were by following a checklist. And I thought, okay, if surgeons can do this better, then I can as well. And certainly I've, you know, it's easy to think as Stu does, compliance, you know, I'm an accountant as well. So accountants are not far behind compliance people in terms of make, make a checklist, you know, use an Excel spreadsheet to make sure everything gets done. But it is really, really important. I, like Stu, have had on and off things with personal checklists. My morning and evening shutdown, startup and shutdown routines. I had them in my OmniFocus as each individual item as a task. And when you look at a day, it makes your day look pretty busy. You've got a whole lot of things, not a lot of which take a whole amount of time. You know, check this, check that. You know, my morning routine is 10 minutes, let's say, in the morning. My, my afternoon shutdown routine is probably somewhat the same, 15, 20 minutes. But I thought I could make my life clearer a couple of months ago and got rid of those and just put morning checklist, afternoon checklist. And I got into the same thing where I miss things. Having the ability to go off a checklist and check it off just meant that everything got done. I couldn't get distracted by the new Apple thing or, you know, some other thing, Coco coming in the room and catching my attention. I just focused exactly on what I needed to do. And I do really believe that checklists for both personal and corporate productivity are a real thing that are worth the investment in the time to do that. Yeah, I I'm absolutely agree. Um, I do very similar things to you. So, um, I don't have in place a checklist for my, my morning routine, mm-hmm. my morning routine. I don't take so seriously because I'm working really hard on my, my afternoon r- routine at the moment. Mm-hmm. But what, I, what I'm finding is that as I sit down to do it, I'm just referring back and going, okay, so, so what do I do? What do I ask? And a checklist would just immediately remove this problem, particularly <laughs> because you know, I would sit there and go, you know, there are the questions that I have to answer. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's how lots of people recommend that you do it. And the reason that lots of people recommend that you do it that way is because it works. Um, and 
I'm, you know, very just by considering this topic, <laughs> I'm determined that I need to get a hold of these things because I'm looking at it going, wow, I can think of five or six things that have been bothering me over the last several weeks that would have been no problem with a checklist. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, I, here we go. A peek behind the curtain of, of e-commerce. This will come as no shock to anyone, but Nero's notes is a website that sells stationery. There we go. I am the owner and I have, um, a wonderful, um, employee called Claire who does all the fulfillment in the UK. I sit here in Cyprus and I run all the other parts of the business. So that'll be the sort of salesy marketing side, the finance side, the buying, all those types of things. And I use a thing called MailChimp, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you get an email from, from a company, it's probably sent through MailChimp or one of its competitors and you have to pay for MailChimp. And I send out a newsletter, and in that newsletter, I say, oh, look, we've got these new shiny things from Field Notes, and they're great. And, oh, look, we've managed to get hold of these difficult-to-get-hold-of pencils. And I send that out to, to subscribers who've opted in to get my newsletter, and this is going to come as another huge shock. People buy stuff because they get the email. They go, oh, do you know what? I quite like the look of that Field Notes. I'll order a pack. Boom. Simple as that. It's hardly high commerce, but it is important. And MailChimp are aware that there's a value to the service that they offer, so they charge you for it. And so every month I get a little reminder pops up that goes, you know, MailChimp has charged me X pounds for, the, for this month because I've got this many subscribers uh, and I'm on, you know, package A or plan B or whatever it is. And I sit there and go, I haven't sent a newsletter for a month. <laughs> So here I am, I've paid this, this money, which is, uh, it's not insignificant, but it's, you know, if you're actually using the service, it's a very good value. <laughs> we'll never have any problems with it. But if you don't send a newsletter, you still get charged. Mm. And so I'm very, very careful not to bombard people. I don't like getting loads of junk mail myself, so I don't send out a lot of mail. And my frequency in my head is that once a month is plenty. But that once a month kind of has to happen. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, Apple had an event and, oh, my podcast recording moved and, oh, my wife got a new job and, oh, you know, the weather's been a bit hot. And so it just didn't happen. Checklist, 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 checklist. I don't have to do much marketing for, for Nero's notes, but there are probably 10 things in a month that I have to do. How do I make sure I do them? With a checklist. I mean, it really is that simple that I can put something in and say, right, Either you can schedule tasks or you can do a checklist or you can do both, but you've got to take that little moment or I have to take that moment. I think I have to take that moment to say, okay, marketing near notes, what actually needs to happen on a weekly, monthly, whatever basis. And you just write a list and that list, well, you put little boxes next to it and you've got a checklist. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the simplest productivity moves that there is. And again, there's lots of people listening to this going, well, that's common sense, Joe. Yes, yes, I agree with you, it's common sense. But I'll bet there's a lot of people out there who don't use checklists. Yeah, exactly. You know, we could put a task in, but the task certainly, in a lot of cases, has several parts to it. And making sure that you have those parts to it, every one of those on a checklist, 
really can make the difference between preventing an error and making something just simple. So my, my takeaway from this is checklist, while seemingly frustrating to professionals, do prevent errors. If you can, use them. You may feel silly, as Stu was just saying. You're going to look at it and go, I know this stuff. I've done this a thousand times. But, you know, it's worth it. It's worth the investment in time to develop it, build it up, and use it. It'll save you in the long run from yeah. errors that are preventable. And the other thing that um, I think is really important, I was listening to, um, I was listening to More Focus with um, David Sparks and Mike Schmitz, mm -hmm. and they were talking to Sean, Sean name, McCabe. Sean, Sean McCabe, yeah. Uh, and he was talking about delegation and, you know, getting parts of his business delegated out so that he was not working in the business, but on the business was the way he described it. Mm -hmm. um, which which spoke to me. <laughs> Good Lord, I think my dogs are expressing an opinion. They're definitely speaking to me at the moment as well. Apologies for that. That, that, uh, that. Believe it or not, that is my menu for the next, for Monday to Thursday of next week being delivered. <laughs> and and my, my poor wife tried to creep past to go and get it, and the dog's seeing her go. Um, I was figuring that, was, that sounded like a Mrs. L attention thing. Yeah, I tell you what, I very, very nearly had a heart attack then. So <laughs> listening to Sean McCabe talk about working on the business rather than in the business, what was, what really spoke to me was, okay, to do that, I need to be able to delegate something. So if we just go back to my previous example, what marketing do I need to do for Nero's notes? I need to put some posts out on social media because that's where people are reminded that we exist and go, oh, look, that's a cool thing. I want that cool thing. Uh, I need to send a newsletter out to um, people who've, you know, taken the trouble to subscribe. Um, and I need to just make sure that I talk about neurodynamics and clearly I have no problem doing that uh, and just keeping people aware. So it's not a huge amount of things. But if I want to delegate that, how do I do it? Mm -hmm. Do I phone up Justin and say, okay, Justin, this is what I need you to do. Okay, just do this, do that, do that. First of all, Justin will say, I'm not interested in doing that. But if I'm talking to an outsource or a person, you know, an assistant who's going to take some things on for me, of course you talk to them about what you want doing. And then you send them a checklist. If you say, these are the things that need to be done. These are the times that they need to be done. And the person goes, okay, that's great. That will take me X hours. Uh, you'll be billed accordingly on the third Thursday of the month. Thanks very much. Boom, it's done. Mm -hmm. And if you're then looking to systemize your business, it needs to be documented. And the best way to document any process is with a checklist. Mm -hmm. We'll have to figure out what tools we should use for that, but that's a whole different conversation. Oh, indeed. Good Lord. Yeah, that, that could go on for weeks. But uh, I have to say, I'm really excited by it. Cool. Uh, any takeaways for you from this uh, conversation, Stu? Uh, yeah, I think the big one for me is to A, introduce some checklists, but B, I'm going to look at parts of my life with a little bit more of a corporate eye. Mm. Um, because I, I sometimes, well, my wife says to me sometimes, you can handle 150 things uh, when you're in work mode and you're decisive and you're fast. But if I try and get you to do the washing up and take the dogs for a walk, it's complete chaos. 
And uh, I think there's there's some, there's something from that where I, I just need to look at these things that I want to achieve outside of my work life, uh, but perhaps just put that worky, jobby job discipline to it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. What about you? What's your takeaway? Mine is just to use a checklist, uh, you know, even if you're a professional, because it will prevent errors. It's silly, but it's worth it. Simple. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, you can find me uh, on Twitter. You can find me at uh, Stu Lennon, or you can find me at nerosnotes.co.uk, or at my website, stuartlennon.com. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JJ Twyford. You can find me at writeexperience.com or my own website, justintwyford.com, where I'm starting a series largely inspired by my friend in Cyprus of my thoughts on moving out of the city into, I hate to say the word semi-retirement, but it sort of feels like that, you know? The big change that you do at a certain point in life. If you want to get a hold of us, you can also email us at stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Please like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. And we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues that you think will get some value from what we talk about. If you have any checklists or experience with that, please let us know. We're certainly very curious to see how other people think about this as well. Our next topic next week will be embracing uncertainty, which is largely driven from me and my lessons from a move. I'm a guy that likes to have certainty. So embracing that, I think there's some things to talk about there. (laughs) Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.